Welcome to Parenting with Vanessa Cologne. Well, a month off, we are back, and we have a special guest speaker, Carla Schiacci from the JCC in San Francisco. Tell us more, Carla. Who are you? Good to be back. I feel like it's so true, a month off. I am the site director at Helen Diller Family Preschool at the JCCSF, and believe it or not, we have 153 students in our preschool currently and in our TK. A lot of parents and a lot of children, <laughs> especially to monitor with COVID and everything else. So today's topic, we're going to talk about the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on infant and toddler development. So, you know, I have been going back and I've been very lucky to be going back into preschools um, with everything that's happened and they're now having other people coming in. So they're expanding, which is great, but I'm seeing a lot of children struggling right now. And so I just want to talk a little bit more about what is going on that what you're seeing. So true. I think that we spend all this time talking about how we as adults are struggling through this pandemic. And what's happening is we haven't really put the, you know, kind of the, the lens on what is going on with these children. How can we help better prepare them? What I'm seeing quite honestly, and I'm talking about this with my educators, is a really big gap. A gap with their social emotional skills, a gap with some of their physical abilities, and we really have to spend some time in the next few years really kind of um, closing that gap. So I want to talk a little bit about the impact of COVID-19 and, and what we're seeing with infants and toddlers. Um, I don't have infants at my site, but really want to speak to what we're seeing with toddlers and then children in the pre-K, then moving up to our transitional kindergarten next year because this is going to be a pivotal year for them. Yeah, and some of the schools that I've been going to, I'm finding that a lot of children, you know, the social skills are very hard. I mean, you think about their child is three or four right now, and most of their life they have been in this pandemic, very sheltered. I mean, even the other day I was going to the bank, and the dad was there taking money out, and I mean, it was probably a three or four-year-old child, and then playing with the buttons, and like, there was just so much, don't touch it, don't touch it, don't do this, don't do that, and having to wash it, like using his elbows and everything else, and just the amount of, I was just thinking, wow, that is so much stress for a child, because I mean, they're probably saying that everywhere you go, right, because, and so then they're scared to do things, and they're not, you know, taking their mask off, maybe they can't take their mask off, and also, you know, children's imagination, I don't think people realize this, that if it's not talked about with, with the child, the child's imagination takes over it's huge the scary factor is you know we all we all talked about what happens behind the mask and we all were very concerned about what's going to happen with children reading facial cues and and the lack of right we've all been talking about that for the last two years but the part about the stress is not the part that we have been talking about and it's it's the stress of the constant behind the mask the constant exhaustion on on the educators on the parents on the children but the stress of financial impacts of covid too we haven't really talked about that quite you know quite enough and so children are picking up on all those cues right they're picking up on the stress of the parent they they fully are aware when someone in their household or elsewhere is sick you know what that feels and looks like during this um, but, you know, there's some basic things you're saying, you know, going to the bank and noticing the buttons and the touching. Here's something also kind of wild is these children have not gone to the playground. And I'm seeing all these gravitational insecurities. And what I mean by that is I can walk into a room and tell you which of those children have been on a first floor apartment for the last two years of their life. Right. They don't have that that kind of practice of going up and down the stairs. Not not a lot of them. They haven't gone to the playgrounds. Right. They're not getting that vestibular stimulation. And what I mean by that, you know, is, is on swings, right? Like they're not getting any of that. And so we're finding that it's not just that 
they don't know how to play with one another. Um, and it's not just the additional stress of living in a pandemic, but there's actual basic bodily skills um, that are in, for lack of better words, there's a little bit of a deficit. Right. And, you know, a lot of kids are showing, I mean, they're, you know, anxiety, again, anxiety shows in different ways, in different forms. And if, you know, you are being told not to touch anything, not to do anything, and then all of a sudden you go to a classroom and there's 12 to 20 kids. I mean, that's a very different environment to get used to. And, you know, just even waiting in line. And what does that mean? And taking your turn and ask, you know, asking, you know, can I have that? Is also I found is I have found has been very difficult for some kids to come back in, and so what? How is it that, you know, what can we do to support children more? I mean, so that's really the question because as, you know, we went on Zoom, and if you're thinking about it, that year still went. Now the next grade, and you know, I still have one child that hasn't been to school in two years, and so but they keep going up a grade, and to me it's like. What are we doing as as a society in education to help and support these children? At least in high school, you know, everything's individualized and, you know, we can work with them. But what are some ways that we can help, uh, you know, especially if you're going into TK? I mean, do you stay an extra year longer? I, don't, I have no idea. And every kid is so different. And every parent is so different. And I've also seen parents say like, oh, well, you know, maybe someone has COVID, but don't talk about it. There's a lot of shame around that. I mean, listen, everyone's getting it. <laughs> It is. It's just going around back with vaccines. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. I've, I've done my share. Um, but it's true. You know, I, I think what we can do is we have to provide more time for practice, right? That's how children are, are going to be able to make sense of the world around them, how scary as this is right now. That's how they're going to either, you know, working through loose parts, working in, in the garden, working, you know, being in the sandbox, having these opportunities to play with one another because that entire year last year was really much spread of, you know, keep six feet of distance. You know, we only had 12, oh gosh, 12 children yeah. in a particular cohort. That's not a lot of peers to navigate. And they would have those eagle wings. You know, you would see the children everywhere, you know, spreading their arms out, making sure they had six feet of wingspan. We now are just trying to be how, you know, figure out how to be in relationship with one another. We went from Tupperware bins and everyone have their own materials, your own crayons and scissors and tape to now figuring out how to delegate, negotiate, navigate these peer-to-peer interactions. But last year was a wash. <laughs> right. So, you know, when we, would, when we came back from camp, I'll never forget this. I literally, everyone was like, you have to dump everything out. And I, I, fo- I follow the rules, you know, I really do. And, and I remember having, getting kids and putting, getting a Lego set, but I got these bins with holes in it so I can wash them every time. And then you, I put these like, you know, blue tape on the floor. That was their space. And that kids with sensory issues. That was just a joke. I mean, I'm going to be honest. Like, that just didn't work. We tried as much as we could. And, you know, but you also see, see kids being, like, super anxious of another child's in their space without them even realizing it, right? So, like, you know, even understanding, like, how do you advocate for yourself, but also, like, what is going on for a child when all of a sudden, like, you can't be in your space, but then someone's in your space, and then how do you how do you help navigate that sense of, I have no control over this, and this is actually really scary right now, right? And you don't know them again. The message at home, like, is it talked about? Like, what are what what's being talked about to the child? How is this pandemic being talked to? You know, there are some social skills like stories in books that I've gotten to kids, and that worked really well. We've done we have done the six feet, but again, if you have a child with sensory issues that don't understand the whole body bubble area space, right? And then now we're saying, well, now you can do. Now you can 
play. <laughs> Isn't that how confusing this has been for all of us, you know, running schools of, of um, either of your kind of specialization or of my size, you know, we, we think about all of this. It is, it's exhausting. Every, every other day it is changing. And so when we then can say to the children, no, no, you actually can play with her. It's okay. Or we can have two groups on the yard at the same time. You know, when we go back and we, um, we either think about, you know, truncating some of our, our guidance or really kind of loosening up a little bit. I think that the challenge is we're still finding that some of those children aren't going to be kindergarten ready this year, right? And they are, we're meeting them where they're at. Everyone is unique. And we still know we have to do better as a community. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, having that practice through play is going to be pivotal in this next year. Right. They really do, they need the experience and the exposure. But, I mean, think about it. You know, in a normal last two years, children would have grown up going to the playgrounds, you know, all around us, Laurel Hill, Clay Street, everywhere else, right. Alamo. But they haven't had that experience, so they haven't had someone take their toy away from them someone push them on slide um, <laughs> parents you know problem solving skills I mean these are basic skills like we you know instead to get really upset and have a huge tantrum because we're not I'm getting called into all these schools on just behavioral management and how to help with these kids that are just struggling or like you know if they don't get what they want just destroying everything especially if you have a parent if you are a single child and you don't have another sibling and you haven't had these experiences to go through this it's interesting because you know you talk about single children and or only children um, we're finding that all of a sudden everyone is ready to come back to school. And I thought, you know, we, we just were in this huge surge, right? And all of a sudden we have families banging down our doors to come find spaces for their two and three-year-olds. What, what we attribute that to is certainly, you know, the workforce. Everyone has to go back to work. People going back into mm-hmm. their offices 100%. But families are starting to really see how, what a, how detrimental this is to be keeping their children at home. Right, and to be um, not giving them that peer-to-peer exposure. Again, they, they have to be with their peers. It's nothing that you and I, as, as adult educators, families can provide. They need their peers. And that's how they learn, model and behavior. I always say, you know, you can be in a social skills group and the teacher can teach as much, but they're gonna learn from their peers. And so it's really being able to coach the child and with the other child, you know what I mean? I'm always having, I'm, I'm a big believer in the mixed age groups. So my school has mixed ages. The oldest one is teaching the youngest and vice versa. And it's also teaching empathy and also patience if the younger one's not listening to the older one at times. But kids listen to one another more than adults. They do, and they, they certainly do watch what we're doing and, and how we're behaving every step of the way. And I think that that goes back to the stress piece, right? Like, what can we shelter the children from? Because we are we're still not fully out of this push, right? And, and so thinking back about, you know, if you have a child or a family that needs some, you know, recommendations, whether it's a behavioral therapist or whether it's an occupational therapist or social skills groups, you know, we, we have to double down on what we're doing right now. We have to really make sure that we are having that early intervention, right. recognizing when, when there is extra scaffolding that needs to be put in place and we're being honest and setting up our children for success. You know, you know, a huge piece of why families choose preschools is to get children kindergarten ready. And the reality is there are going to be um, children who are not going to be best positioned to go right into kindergarten, right? And they're gonna need a TK year. They're gonna need uh, an additional nine months of play, right? And that's where we're gonna see this gigantic growth is, is having these you know schools with smaller ratios 
um, being able to have a lot more of that one-on-one -on -one attention, um, being able to give them that additional year. I think that's so important because the social emotional piece is, I mean, to me, you're not going to go anywhere without that. I mean, if you, you can, if you can't make a friend or keep a friend or work through a problem, just so, so some of the, the foundations of working together, I mean, academics are one thing, like you can, you know, we can do your ABCs or whatever down the road, but if you can't function, like, and it all comes down to your self-esteem and your self, like how you feel about yourself. So if you're, if you're finding that your friends don't want to play with you because you're getting upset over, you know, you're not sharing a toy or you're yelling at them when they take something or if you don't know how to do basic turn-taking, then how does that do it? Then you see more behaviors coming in. So then the cycle continues. So like it all comes down to how a child feels about themselves on the inside. So right now, if they haven't had these skills given to them or taught to them, this is the perfect time that we take a moment, slow down, and give them the time, and give them the time through play. And I think that you said it very well, like another year of play, just keep them playing, go to the park, take them outside, have new experiences. I think that's huge. And they're gonna get, you know, the academics come, right? The, they, it will come, they, they will always come. They get there, the sound symbol recognition, the phonetics, it's, it's you know, um, the budding literacy and mathematics, but you're right, you know, if, if a child doesn't understand who they are and doesn't feel good about being part of a community and a member of, of the society and world around them, they are less likely going to do well on a kindergarten screening or some type of assessment, right? They're, they might not even come to the literal table. Right. If they don't feel good <laughs> yeah. about it, right? You know, so right. I think, you know, the most important thing is, you know, in this pandemic, we have all had friends, colleagues, um, family members who've, who've needed us, right? And we've needed them. And, and building that empathy and compassion um, is so critical and, and showing them, you know, what we do to care for others in our community and care for others in our, in our world, in our society, I think is really key. You know, we have, um, so we have a saying, you know, a mask is a mitzvah. A mitzvah is a good deed in Hebrew. Right? And so a, a mitzvah is like something good and kind that you can do for someone else to keep them safe. I had a little girl say to me the other day, she said, you know, I wear my mask. I don't wear it for you. I don't wear it for my family. I sometimes wear it for people I don't even know. <laughs> and I just thought like, oh, this is brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's all coming together. But imagine how peculiar this has been. You know, you're very, it's very true. And, you know, some of these kids, when you're looking at like even doing morning meeting, don't even sit. Not there yet. No, and that and they like sitting and then like standing in line waiting. Oh my goodness, that's that's hard for a lot of kids right now. Um, I mean, some some basic skills I've seen that there's been you know such. I don't want to say a regression because it hasn't been taught, right? So there's no regression, but yet at this age and what we expect, and you know as we keep moving forward each year in this pandemic, we're gonna lose kids. You know, if we don't take that step back and slow it down a little bit and reteach and figure out, okay, where are the holes? Where did they miss? If they were on Zoom, I mean, I, I don't know about your, like, my kids on Zoom. Yeah, I mean, that's just, that's just funny. It's just, I mean, it doesn't really, I, they weren't getting much out of it. Um, so that was good. That was only, we were only close for three months. But, you know, as we're moving into, you know, March... I mean, we're already halfway done with another year. <laughs> it's interesting because there's a, there's a saying in, in Reggio Emilia, right? There's a, a pedagogy. This is our pedagogy of teaching where I work. And so that there's a hundred languages, right, that children use to express themselves. Um, the language of dance, of art, of light and shadow. 
the language of Zoom actually has become one of these languages that, that our older students in that pre-K TK have mastered, right? Which is interesting. I'll be running like a um, grab your hot cocoa and it's story time with me or my assistant director Rose will be doing something or our teachers will be doing something and all of a sudden there'll be like Cameron is on there with on the whiteboard writing something out. These fours and fives have figured out how to use that. So not everyone, but some of them have. And I'm thinking, <laughs> Oh, good gosh. This is like, you know, it's a lot when you think about that. I'm like, well, they figured out that language pretty quick. (laughs) But, you know, this this interpersonal, this relationship, right? It's going to it's going to be a while till that we can, you know, rebuild this and how we can see who we are in each classroom and and hold ourselves accountable and have these children um, being able to be present for morning meeting, listening to one another's thoughts, having that turn taking. You know, we're just starting to see again this like delegating and negotiating and play of you be the princess and I'm this person, right? Like just now am I starting to really see them gel together. But largely for, for a big chunk of this year, the children were, were almost as stopped in their tracks as the teachers were with the constant cleaning, with the making sure that we oh, right. yes. you know, it, it is, um, it doesn't leave you a lot of room for, you know, kind of expansion. And, and just now you really see them getting into loose parts. You really see them, you know, digging and planting trees and in nature and working with seeds. And you really see a lot more of that, that hands-on experience because, because we're there. And you did mention something that, you know, the cleaning has been a huge component and it also is the stress of the teacher. So then it takes away from like, well, if someone goes from one thing to the next or they had their mask down a little bit or they're touching something then you have to go clean their hands. And, you know, again, like that, that's of course is the problem with the teacher. So on that anxiety piece of what to do next and everything else. And it takes away from the child actually learning. So it's true, you know, you have to think these educators have been nothing short of like miraculous this year. And what they have what they have taken on in addition to COVID, um, I, I'm blown away by my educators every day that they're not, you know, that they're able to continue to do the high quality and caliber work. Right. Um, that they have been putting out there, that they're able to really do careful and thoughtful observations of children. And that goes back to, again, what you're talking about, that slowing down and that time, right? Mm -hmm. If we are not going slower and we push past this because we feel like we're supposed to be somewhere else, right? That we feel like the children are supposed to be somewhere else. We are missing all of the magic and we are missing the beauty that are those like just priceless moments that you you watch a child really having that aha moment you see them um the light bulb going off you see that comprehension you know if we continue to do what we're doing which is try to get them quick quick get them into kindergarten it's it's not about that right like we have to make sure that there's there's a healing and a redo of these these last two years the social emotional again, you know, if you keep Huge. going too fast, then if the child go, if you go too fast and the child isn't ready, then they don't feel well about themselves, and then the behaviors come in, and then the negative self talk. I mean, I, I, you know, parents like I can't believe my child says these things, like I hate myself or that. They do at age three, you know. I, I see it, and I see kid like oh, no one wants to play with me, and so we're that's such a young age, and you're so vulnerable, and so this is the time to be able to. You're right. Take a moment, take a breather, take a just stop <laughs> and play and really build the confidence up with the child. And those relationships are huge. 
you know, it was, it was great having you here, Carla. So, you know, again, is there anything else that you'd want to say that I missed or? No, I so appreciate being here with you. You know, I'll, I'll leave you with this. Um, early in the pandemic, we had the opportunity to um, build and grow our TK. I've been there since its inception, and it was a it was a small TK of back in the day when folks thought that that was just for boys who weren't socially or emotionally ready, right? And and long has that changed and grown. That was a classroom I had. I taught with my friend Alyssa eight eight boys, two girls. Um, in the past couple of years, it's grown to almost be forty wow. um, in our TK, and so. You know, this year I'm really looking forward to partnering with families and opening that out. You know, again, four classrooms, really thinking about spending this pivotal year and helping children to, you know, be in the moment and not rush things as we as we constantly do. I think that's a good reminder for myself. Same. Same. <laughs> I, think, I think I'm always, and I think as, you know, as we're looking at kids and how to help them, you're always, I'm always thinking ahead and I'm trying to do it versus just being in the moment. And I think that is a great reminder. So thank you for coming on and I appreciate it. I always have a, you know, if you want to go back, Carla's been on other podcasts with me. Um, and we'll be doing another one next week. And I don't know the topic, but something on kids. And it'll be great, I'm sure. <laughs> Thanks for your partnership. Thank you. Uh, this is Parenting with Vanessa Cologne. And you can check out my book, Shut Up and Parent, on Amazon. <laughs>